0: Hey everyone, it's May and welcome to another episode of The May Lee Show. Uh, now this one, this episode is going to be a little bit different. And the reason why is because it has to be recorded in stages. <laughs> uh, let me try to explain without giving too much away. Well, even if I give it away, it's okay. Uh, so I'm I'm going to show you what I look like. And uh, those of you who are listening, I'm going to describe to you what I look like. And then the show will continue. Now, I know like right now you're like, what is she freaking talking about? Okay. So we have all been living through COVID, right? For, I mean, we're going into month six, right? At this point. And for a lot of us, that's meant that we have had to self-groom, meaning like we haven't been able to go to the hair salon. We haven't been able to get our hair cut and all that stuff. And I definitely haven't. I haven't gone to the salon and gotten my hair cut or anything since probably early March. And I <laughs> just said, you know, basically F it, you know, I'm just going to let my hair grow and just deal with it and just kind of see how long it can get without any care. <laughs> so now it's gotten to the point, seriously, I, I, I hide it well, just to let you know, If you're watching the show and you've been watching the show, I hide the fact that my hair is out of control pretty well because it's sort of layered and I kind of just put the better looking hair in the front (laughs) and you never see the back of my hair, right? You never see it. So what's happened is that my hair grows super, super fast anyway, and it's gotten so long that I say I look like Cousin It now, if you guys know the Adams family, all right, so do you know who Cousin It? Cousin It is the character that has really long hair and he's just all hair. It's just really long brown hair and he the only the way he speaks is like this. Okay, so I just put my hair in front of myself like this and I look like Cousin It. Totally. And then if you look at my hair from the back, you'll see how long it is. See, did you see that? It's crazy, right? So this is really kind of how my hair looks, and it's 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 getting to the point of making me completely insane. Oh, and I've also been doing my own roots, right, with uh, like drugstore color. So that's basically has been my self care, self grooming routine. <laughs> See, even Eggy, my dog, is is coming over saying, "Yeah, mommy, you look really terrible. You need to do something." So lo and behold, I get a message sent to the May Lee Show Instagram account. And it is a message from AncoTron, Tron, who is one of the most famous celebrity hairstylists around. Uh, Vietnamese-American, he is incredibly successful, incredibly talented, incredibly famous, and he's done like every celebrity you would think of um, under the sun, Done, done their hair. Uh, so in fact, I looked up his bio and, and on his website, he has celebrity clientele, um, sort of section. And it is like, I don't know if you can see that. It's like a mile long. It's a, it's a mile long. Uh, so he writes and says, uh, really enjoy the show. If May would like to get her hair done at any time, let me know. Right? So I'm like, uh, yes, please sign me up. So then I thought, how fun would it be to make this into a show, uh, to talk about, you know, my transformation, my COVID hair, and turn it into something that's a little bit more acceptable. <laughs> and also talked on about his life and, and how he became this celebrity stylist and his artwork, and, because what he does truly is artwork. It's very artistic and very creative. So I thought, well, let's try to do a show doing this. Now, because we're still in COVID, we have to take precautions. So that's why I'm shooting this in pieces. Uh, he is going to come over to my home. We're going to cut the hair outdoors in a safe environment, obviously. Uh, and then we're going to be doing the interview also safely, uh, socially dis- distancing ourselves, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I really wanted to kind of record this intro for you guys because I wanted you to see the truth about my hair. <laughs> that it's been smoking mirrors for a while. <laughs> but I got to tell you, I kind of can't wait to get a lot of this chopped off. I mean, you can't see, but it is, it is some dead shit down here and lots of split ends and damage because I had gotten balayage before which is a bleaching technique, and uh, my hair is pretty dried out and, and looking like straw on the ends. Uh, but cousin it no more. Cousin it needs to say goodbye. Um, if it's not cousin it, it, I felt like Bigfoot. I mean, one of the two, interchangeable. So it's time for a change. It's time for COVID hair to say bye-bye. So, all right, so next stop is my haircut with Oncotron. And then I'm gonna be talking to him about uh b- about his career and about his life. All right, so now you've seen it and heard about my hair, pre-cut and style. All right, okay, let's keep going with the show. Okay, so this is part two, and on Coachan is here at my house to begin my transformation podcast listeners out there to see An's process of styling my hair, check out the episode on YouTube. But for now, let's move on to part three and my interview with Oncotron. Okay. Now here we are for part three of this episode. I know I don't think I've done a multi-part episode like this, but on my hair looks amazing. If I can just say so myself, seriously, it looked, it was a total transformation from what I was, I look like before and now. So tell me what you did to kind of take me from cousin it to now (laughs) (laughs) just briefly.
1: (laughs) So, um, you know, Taking off the split ends and the dead ends and then reshaping your layers and reframing your face. And that, that was it. Yeah. This is so simple. And add some curls in and to make it more natural. Looking. Right. But, I know. I know. But you do have natural curls. So I think it, natural waves. So I think right. it would be really complementary to the haircut.
0: Yeah. No. And it's about it, making it easy. I yes. think that's what we all want when it comes to hair. It's like low maintenance hair.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Low maintenance is the key, especially now, like right. you don't have to do your hair. I know. And if you can just wash and go and add some products in.
0: Yeah, key. exactly. Yep. Well, I told you during the cut that I would, like, I gave myself a challenge because because of COVID, you know, we're in shelter in place. Nobody was getting their hair cut. Nobody was doing any kind of self grooming really. So I was just like, I'm just going to let it go as long as I can. And it got to the point where obviously I couldn't do that anymore. But are you, in the beginning of COVID, were you seeing that that people were like, "Well, I can't do anything," so they were trying to self-groom. So, what was what were you seeing?
1: I kept on getting um, Instagram message of like, "How did I cut my hair? How did I cut <laughs> my bangs? And how can I trim myself?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we might be in this for a while, but we might not. But condition your ends, you know, maintain your healthiness of the hair is the best thing because yeah. the last thing you want to do is cut your hair and then." And I have seen, because I'm now starting to come back to work, and I've seen how people have layered their hair. It's quite interesting. Oh, by themselves, really? Yeah. So it's some
0: mistakes that you're having to repair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How funny. It's
1: not anything major. Yeah. I think color is probably more major because they trying to color themselves. And I don't do color, but I've seen a lot of, like, interesting colors. Yeah. Like, just trying to, like, repatch the grays or... We highlight the hair. And hey, man, it's, it's, I told you,
0: that's what I tried to do. I've been trying to do my own roots. And, you know, I, as you can see, I didn't do a very good job in parts of my hair. Yeah. But, but you know, we're all trying to make do during this time, which right. is so unusual, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I did watch tutorials and I've had friends try to watch tutorials to try to cut their own hair. But at the end of the day, everybody was like, I cannot wait for salons to open up. So have you had like a steady stream now that things are starting to open up of people saying, I need to come CEO?
1: Yep. Uh very steady. I mean, yeah. we're very busy. Every time we open up a books, it's just it gets books up so quickly. Yeah. So I mean, I even had uh I went to the Bay Area last weekend and my one of my clients was vacationing in Newport Beach. Yeah. And she lives in the Bay Area. Okay. She drove back. To get her haircut and then drove back to Newport Beach. I'm like, you're insane. She's like, oh, and I gotta do this. It's been six months. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's how dedicated she was. Right. <laughs> she's right, like, her. I need to get a haircut. But it lasts for six months. So, yeah. This is like, you know, it's one of those things that you get it and then she's like, I just have to cross that out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. looking like that, you know. But
0: so. here's what I'm curious about because um, I just look at my own behavior, but also friends. It's been six months now of us yeah. being, you know, in this unusual situation. I kind of wonder if that's going to change how people look at self uh, grooming and self care and beauty and all of that. Do you think we're starting to see a shift in, you know, how people are viewing that and the importance they're placing on it or not? You know, are you seeing a change in well, that Well,
1: I, I noticed that as far as haircut, because I only do haircuts, Yeah, that they do low maintenance haircuts more than ever. Okay. So I have clients who cut it off. Yeah. And they just want it like really short so I can, by the time they see me, it'll be long again. Right. Or people who just kept it long and yeah. just reshape it because they can pull up an opponent so or do a, a knot, a, like a knot. It'd be so easy. Right. You know, something like that. They think it's do on a daily basis.
0: Right, right. I, I ask that because I just wonder, you know, we're we're all thinking, oh, COVID and quarantining, it's sort of a time for self-reflection and you're sort of reprioritizing all these things that you thought were so important before and now you're saying, why did I get so worked up about that kind of stuff? Right. And I just wonder if, again, the grooming and the quaffing and like, you know, running to the salon every three weeks is something that people are like, hmm, do I really need to do that anymore? You yeah. know?
1: I mean, it's less, but they still see the importance because they're like, I have to make sure I look good for my husband. Yeah. Or, you know, when I'm in a Zoom call. Zoom call, but- exactly. Yes. <laughs> when I'm in meetings, I don't look like, you know, yeah. a crazy, crazy person. That's so true so, now. Now they're yeah.
0: saying because people are doing Zoom and having to be on camera more than they ever were before. I mean, I'm used to it because that's my business. But normal people, they didn't have to worry about that before. So now people are like buying things like ring lights, and yeah. you know, trying to make themselves look better. Yeah. So that's actually that's actually an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And then I think, I, yeah, that's just major thing. That I just like I need to look good. Right. So,
0: right. Yeah. Okay. But it's
1: still low maintenance. Like they like they understand that you know, if I can't see you, uh, this will last to the next haircut or right. the next
0: time I won't see you. Right. Okay. All right. Let's talk about you now. Let's go back because you have such an interesting history, right? You, your family fled Vietnam in seventy four,
1: right? Well, no, I was born in seventy four. Oh, sorry, you were born in seventy (laughs) four. Sorry, but then you
0: fled when you were four years old. Yeah, so
1: seventy eight. Okay, escaped um, in the middle of the night. That's what my uh, family said. But uh, in a fishing boat, right? Um, We thank God we're fishermen because. We know I guess the mosque co- codes when it when Force when code, other yeah. um pirates, Thai pirates would um signal. Mm-hmm. Um because that's how they can tell if someone who doesn't know their um um language, right. like sea language. Um so if they don't, a lot of time they would get um robbed. Oh, and wow. raped and killed. Oh my so god. So there's a lot of, there's like they knew there was a huge exile from okay. Vietnam, so they would steal the gold and yeah, rape the woman and kill the kids and kill everyone. Yep.
0: So because your family knew mm-hmm. how to communicate that way, yep. you were able to avoid that. Yep. Wow, yes. that's amazing. That is. Yeah,
1: I, I was. Yeah, that's why one one thing that my my dad told me like that's huh. one thing that I always get people and right because it was like oh well, one of us help us and then they'll be like okay we'll come help you and like you know and.
0: That's how things happen. Right. Yeah. So were you guys in a boat, just your family or were you in a boat with several other people? Gosh, like, I, I, I
1: think it was hundreds, oh, uh, okay. a, hundred, a hundred people. So it was so. that
0: typical story of yes. like an overflowing boat yes. of es- uh, people from Vietnam escaping. Yep. Okay. Yes. And where did you guys go from there?
1: So we went out to the Indian ocean. Okay. I think, I think they were on the way to Malaysia or Indonesia. Okay. Or um, Refuge. Ref- right. Um, But I guess it took a while, and the government found us, and they took us in for refugee. Okay. The Malaysian government.
0: Okay, and so were you at a camp for mm-hmm. a while?
1: We were at a camp a- amongst other other um, exile. Yep. And we were there for like a year and a half.
0: Oh wow, yeah. that long. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Until we, a um, church in Austin, Texas, sponsors. Oh wow.
0: That's why I was in Texas. First. Okay, got yeah. it. That's the Texas connection. <laughs> um, so, do you have? Memories? Any recollection of this? No, nothing. It's so
1: crazy. I mean, maybe it was so traumatizing. I just don't remember anything. Could be. And my my sister's like, and my and my sister's my mom like said you were so you were like purple from seasick. Oh Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. So I don't remember nothing.
0: So it might have been the trauma of all of that. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. You sure? Okay. Um, But you've heard stories, obviously, from your family. Yes. Um, And so you go to Texas. And your family is there for, what, a few years? I there or? for
1: seven years. Okay. Um, my parents couldn't stand the weather, but we went to church every Sunday. Okay. Because that was like, coming to church, and it was great. And I think my parents were so open-minded. They're like, you know what? These people took us in. Um, it will be nice if you guys go to church. Yeah. And I was in choir, and
0: Aww. yeah, it was fun. Okay, yeah. It was yeah. really fun. I mean, that's like a Texas, typical Texas life, you yeah. know, right? Yeah. Okay, so do you have you have fond memories of the the seven years you were in Texas? Then yes, yes. Okay, and then from there
1: we went to um, Southern California. Okay, because our cousins are there, and they're like, "Come here, the weather's nice." Yeah, and we went to Orange County. And okay, my family lived there ever since,
0: and never left. Okay, never left. <laughs> right, right. They never
1: left Little Saigon. <laughs> yeah,
0: but um, but it sounds like your family was definitely close. I mean, mm-hmm. having gone through that kind of. Trauma and yeah. you know ad- adversity. I, that's the thing about refugees. It's like what they go through to seek that better life yeah. is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, and the willingness to make that kind of sacrifice for family. Yeah, we'll I mean, have to understand what that means.
1: We can. We could have all died yeah. at sea. Yeah, uh, and, and 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 for them not knowing how to communicate with other boats, we could have died. Easily. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and I think that's why when people talk about immigrants in a negative way, yeah. right, they have to understand what the immigrant story is. They are leaving behind what they knew. Mm-hmm. Don't speak the language, but then yet they're still willing to, you know, t- get on a boat, risk their lives because they're seeking a better life for their family. Yes. Right. So it's not like they're just saying, oh, yeah, let's go on this cruise. Right. (laughs) So that immigrant story is something that people really need to understand what they're sacrificing for their family. Huge
1: sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, my parents were 40 something and 40 something years old living in Vietnam. That's all they knew. Right. And to like pack up and go like, you know what?
0: And leave everything. To leave. Yeah.
1: Because the country's not well. so We need to leave.
0: Right. Right. Wow. Okay. So, so you're in California, you know, you're this kind of California boy now. And so how then do you start thinking, you know, I really like fashion and design and maybe I'll go to fashion school. And I mean, when when did that all start for you? Um,
1: I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I guess Ever since I was young, I was, always loved watching fashion TV. And I grew up in the 90s, so uh-huh. we used to have supermodels.
0: Right, so. <laughs> that's right. Back in the day, yeah.
1: <laughs> we have Naomi Campbell. We yeah. have, like, Linda Evangelista and yep. like Claudia Sheffer Like, it was amazing seeing those girls walking and strolling the runway. And it was really cool. Like, the yeah. hair is all done and the makeup's all done. And uh-huh. I was like, you know what? I want to design. And I think by... By my by, the 10th kid, because I'm the 10th I'm of the family, yeah. the last yeah. one of the family. Wow. And by that time, everyone is either a businessman or they have like other things. So by that time, they're like, do whatever you want. Like yeah. my parents like, whatever. Just do something. <laughs> Make yourself happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Number 10, they're like, whatever. whatever. You know? <laughs>
1: and I mean, n- number 10 was kind of an accident because... They didn't expect to have me. Yeah. So. Okay. And and they're like, okay, fine. And it was interesting because I was pretty much a black sheep of the family. Okay. I went to art. and went to fashion.
0: Because all your other siblings were they more all like conservative? Oh, all business. All like, okay.
1: Do business, do things, and they're like, oh, you do fashion. like, okay, whatever. Right. Oh, you're going to cut hair now. All right, cool. (laughs) And then they're like, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. But now they're like, can you cut my hair? I'm like, (laughs) remember what you said to me? (laughs) They're like, well, you know, I don't mean it. I didn't know how good you were. (laughs) I'm like, right. But but it's cute. And it's funny.
0: But you were saying as you were cutting my hair that you, you had, you naturally gravitated to this. And then when you started doing it, it just came so naturally to you. It came really natural.
1: Yeah. I mean, I. It was just one of those things that just came really easy in life and just, I don't know, it's, I feel like anything that in my life, when things just fall naturally, it just, it's just meant to be, yeah. and when things are meant to be, it just really comes really easily.
0: Right. And but I mean, you can have a natural talent, but then to make it successful, those are two very different things, right? So yes. for you, how, how long ago did you start? I saw it 20 years ago. Okay, 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows you're good, you know, none of that. So tell me how that evolution took place then in terms of getting from that point to now you're on Cotron. I mean, seriously, I say your name to my friends. And when I told them that- he's going to c- come cut my hair. They were freaking out. Oh Literally, they're like, oh, my God, I follow his Instagram. And and one of them was even like, can I come watch? I'm like, no, we're in COVID. We're I'm so COVID. sorry. Just watch the show. But, um, but literally, Aww. like, you have that kind of um, effect on people, your name and your reputation. So going from... I want to cut hair and nobody knows you are to where you are now. I, obviously, that took some effort, but it, it
1: did. It, yeah. I mean, it took 20 years. I mean, it flew by. Yeah. I mean, I'm 46 now and I feel like I'm still learning and I'm still like a sponge. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, yeah. it's just, I love that. But I, I feel like, you know, that book, 10,000 Hours?
0: Yes. It takes something 10,000 yes, hours. Yes. It does. Yes. yes. I
1: think by the 10th year, I finally realized what am I doing? I mean, what? How, why am I doing things? Because mm. I feel like the first ten years were like what I learned okay. is what I did, right? And not knowing why and just doing it. Okay. So I, I can even see it in my assistants when I when they do graduate, they just mimic because that's what they right. learn and that's what they knew.
0: It's almost like an academic. Yes, yeah. exactly. And yeah. they
1: just like, okay, this is why I learned. This is why I practiced. Like I guess same thing with um, lawyers and 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 doctors. But once they gain experience, they're like, oh, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. Oh, this works, you know. Yeah. And that's how you find new techniques. And it's combinations of old and new, and that makes it different. Right. And it's not like I'm reinventing the wheels. Like what I do is like I really like to have clients who can just do their own hair. Right. If they can't do their own hair, at least they wash it and, you know, it looks good. Right. So that's one of of my key things.
0: Oh, sorry. I know my dogs always interrupt my show, but that's okay. Cause the audience is used to it now. They know this, um, but I don't know what's wrong with you, Sugi. We're having a serious conversation right now. Um, yeah. So I guess it, 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 you start developing your style, obviously, which you did yep. that became famous. Right. So um, again, it, it was that constant, like evolution yes. that you were going through yourself. Yes.
1: And I think, I think one thing that really stand out when I, when I, I, I guess how I describe the way I cut hair is, is I call it lived in hair. Yeah. And and lived in hair is basically a term or I guess it's just a trademark now. Meaning that sometimes when you get a haircut and it takes like a week to sit in or lived in. That's true. And so that's why I'm trying to recreate something that's been broken in. Like, where, like how you wear or buy a pair of vintage jeans. Yeah it's already broken in. right? So having hair that's already broken in, it almost suits your face so much that you forget what your hair looks like before. Yeah. Instead of like planting a haircut on someone, because sometimes when you plant a haircut on someone, it's just like, oh yeah, you got a haircut. But when when you do a haircut that suits them so well, it's just, it's just- It just looks them. natural. Yeah, it looks like, very natural.
0: It, it looks like they've had this haircut. Exactly. And it's, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's look, how that
1: term came lived in. Hair. I'm
0: not trying to like stroke your ego here, but I've got to tell you when I looked in the mirror after you cut my hair, I'm like, Oh my God, it just looks so, yeah, it just looks totally natural Aww. as if, you know, I just kind of woke up this way. <laughs> yes. I wake up this way. I mean, I wish, but yeah, so it does make sense. It is like a nice pair of old jeans that you're used to and it's comfortable Yes. and there's no fuss. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, Again, low maintenance. Yes. You want that low maintenance look. Yes. Yeah.
1: And, and 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 that came from an image of when I was growing up and I was admiring Kate Moss because I love her. Uh-huh. And she always had that bed head.
0: That's so true. After sex
1: hair. Yes. That's and so true. <laughs> it's so sexy. Yeah. But yet feminine and kind of like together, but right. kind of messy. Like, right. I don't really care. But like easy, yeah. breezy, yeah. kind of like cool yeah. girl. Yes. Like,
0: you know. Oh, so that's that was the inspiration that for you. Was
1: inspiration for me to recreate that. Oh in a in a cutting form, not okay. just styling form, but yeah. like to have that all the time with my client. So that's why that was my inspiration.
0: Oh, okay. So is it good old Kate? All right. Yes. Um yeah. so so now because this is your trademark, I mean everybody knows you for this look, right? Um, where then do you have you tried to move on from that and develop something else? Or like how does how does that work for you? What's that's, your creative process like? That's
1: the tricky part. I think yeah. I think getting your foot in the door is the most easiest thing. Yeah. Staying inside is hard. Reinventing yourself. Um progressing yourself is right. hard. Right. You know? Um, I think through education, I learn a lot about how I can improve my haircuts or how I can improve the looks to the point where I have to dissect it down if, in order for me to teach it right So I've been teaching a lot and it's really been helping me um, with the progression. yeah um, What would be next? I don't know. I think one thing that's really natural about it is like I just have to let it be mm. and see what it takes me. Yeah, you know and I do want to do something different like progressively. Yeah. And I guess like Sassoon or um, Tony Guy, it's like they have a signature look and for them to progress is it's, it's sometimes it's like you have, you're so known for that signature look. Right. And like the Rachel back in the days. That's with right. Chris That's McMillan. Right. Yep. And, you know, he progressed and we all have to like really look deep inside. And sometimes it's a curse too, because yeah. people just know you for that look. Or right. knowing you for that signature cut. Whereas you're trying to grow and then you can't grow two out of it because then it's like, okay, that's not you. Then they're like, you who are, are you? Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. But progressively and, and making it different. Right. You know, sometimes it can be the, the most subtle types of um, styling technique, but it makes it different. So,
0: but again, you have to also be observant of your environment and yes. the times. And like I said, you know, with COVID, maybe people are starting to shift their view on grooming and, you know, what they actually want, how they want to project their image. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not as flashy as pre-COVID, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So you have to also take that into consideration. And, and and I think even
1: during the time when I was cutting, like I really realized that people don't have to come in every six months or every month to get the haircut. Mm-hmm. They usually, the haircut should last about like maybe two months to six months. Yeah. So maybe this is a this was a really good prep for COVID. Right. Right. And whereas yes. before when I, I remember when my sister we used to get haircuts or hair hairstylists, she would go in every every month or every three, three weeks right. to get her hair done, to get a haircut. And then when I do get clients who are like old school like that, like, do I have to come in every six weeks now? I'm like, no. I'm like, you can come three months. They're like, Really? I'm like, yes because the way it sits and the way yeah. it grows out it would just morph into another haircut.
0: But see that's what makes you a very nice stylist because you're not making as much money if you're telling people to come in every 6 months. Right? <laughs> but I but I really feel like
1: good words will spread more, yes. you know, and then you get new clients. And so, yeah, clearly yeah. you do. So the rotation of like you get old clients and they, you know, contain be maintaining being your old clients but you also get new clients where like oh my god I got my haircut and lasts like three months you don't have to get it cut often or six months and then you get more new clients and it's just like evolving and I'm a hairstylist and I guess part of me being a Gemini is like I love seeing new people okay I really do (laughs) because it's it's like and I I love old clients as well but like I love seeing new people and I love seeing old people and I love traveling and that's makes it fun for me.
0: Right. It's always
1: constant stimulation.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. (sighs) That's what I love about my job. I I'm always meeting new people and getting to know their story. So that's the, that's the fun part. Right. Um, so I was talking to you again while we're, you were cutting my hair about the, the beauty of Instagram and social media. That's what's really helped you get your brand and your name out there. And it's, that's really, you credit much of your, you know, your um, recognition because of social media. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's been the tool for you to market yourself.
1: Yes. I think ever since, well, I mean, I've been around before social media, yeah. before Instagram. Right. Well, I remember when it first came out and I'm like, what is this? Like, <laughs> oh man, it's another job. I'm
0: yeah. Like,
1: I, I work so much as it is. And then I, I kind of came into kind of late because I think three years came by and went by and then I went on Instagram. Yeah. But then I'm like, Oh, this is a way of like showcasing your work and it's free. Yeah. And you know, and it's not like you tooting your own horn, but you're like, you're showing people what, what you can do. Yeah.
0: You know? And you're, you say that a lot of your clients are finding you just via Instagram. Yeah.
1: Instagram and
0: Pinterest. And worldwide, we're talking worldwide clients find yes. you through these means. That's yes. amazing.
1: Cause Instagram is international. So yeah. it's, it's their way of like connecting with people instantly.
0: So people literally find you on Instagram and they, what, DM you and say, I, I want a haircut?
1: Um, yes. And also, <laughs> or oh, they're like, can you come to Brazil? Like, I, Brazil is number two as far as fan base outside of the US. Right. It's insane. Like, Brazil is like really, really, really Which out there.
0: It's surprising. I had no idea. And they're yeah. really into beauty. That I hugely know. Hugely. I mean, into they're beauty. into cosmetic surgery, all that yes. stuff. But yeah, I didn't realize that even hair that they would want someone to fly in, you know, mm-hmm. to do that. Do they fly you in?
1: <laughs> no. Okay. But I was I, like, <laughs> I, I taught classes there. And, okay. And I do have a lot of Brazilian clients in uh, Miami and New York and LA and like everywhere. Okay. Um, but they found me through Instagram.
0: Ah. So you start using Instagram, social media, people find you and they contact you and you fly all over the world and do, <laughs> that's not a bad setup.
1: No. I And no marketing. Very grateful for that. Except yes.
0: through social media. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's a question that I want to ask you because over the years I have noticed there are so many Asians, Asian Americans who are. Very, very successful stylists, makeup artists, designers. Um, compared to our population, there are a lot who have done so well in that creative space. Why do you think that is? It's impressive. Yeah, especially
1: designer in, in New York. I, yeah. I mean, from Jason Wu to um, Philip um, Lim, Lim-,
0: Lim. Yep, like, yep. Yeah,
1: and uh, like Alexander uh, Wang, like right. it's so cool, like yeah. to see that.
0: And, and stylists, I mean, hairstylists too. Like you, I mean, I've seen others who are pretty prominent, and they're catering to a lot of very well-known clientele who are coming to them. I mean, I don't know. Are I, we I, just I, like extra talented or something? <laughs> <laughs> I I think we like beauty,
1: you know. Mm. Um, and 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 a lot of my friends who are makeup artists who are like you know Patrick Ta and um, hung Van Gogh and then, um, um, uh, my Quinn, like they're, I don't know. I, it's just one thing that this is, yeah, it's really, really interesting. I mean, it's
0: impressive because a lot of them are also first generation, yes. you know, like you, mm-hmm. right. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 I don't know. I mean, cause you think again, stereotypical Asians, you know, the parents want them to go into something very conservative and safe and all of that. But right. seeing, I love seeing that the Asian American population is really expanding their horizons to go into more creative industries and, you know, um, jobs and careers. And then they really find their voice and their talent.
1: Yes. Yes. And I'm I'm very happy for that because when I was growing up, I didn't have anyone to look up to. Right. I think the closest person I looked up to was Bruce Lee. Right. Yes. (laughs) And he's nothing to do with, you know,
0: right. Beauty. But he still represented somebody that you could look yeah. up to, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And then before that, I was uh, I was looking up to like other, you know, um, but it's but now I, I'm I'm glad that we have a lot more representation of like different um, categories. It yeah. was nice. Like I I I have gotten students who're like, I'm so glad you're, you know. Um, Asian or Vietnamese and, or Chinese. And it's just nice for us to like, look up to. Right. Oh, that makes me happy. And that makes me really, really um, help them out. Like that's cool.
0: They see you as a role model. And see, here's the thing about representation. When, if you can't see it, you're not going to believe it, right? Mm -hmm. You're not going to have anything to aspire to because you don't know. You've never had that role model. So to see it, you know, and see that there's possibilities. It makes a huge difference. So in your industry, yeah, of course, young people are going to see your success. You're Asian. You have this incredible success story, but also survival story, which adds another layer to the possibility of you can go from that, you know, escaping Vietnam to where you are now. And that's inspiring.
1: Sometimes I forget about that story. Because yeah. I I've been doing it for so long and and, and forget what my parents sacrifice right and I'm like wow I, yeah that's why right. talking to you and I just sometimes I just like wow it just really sets in
0: yeah and, and I think it's important to share that story as much as possible um, because again it it's a renewed appreciation right. for where we came from what our family history is and what they went through and really that is the ultimate in love right, right. that a family can provide to their family to right. their children right and so, there's a good reminder because yeah. sometimes
1: of course doing what i do and sometimes i forget i'm like and, and sometimes i comp- complain about stupid things i'm like <laughs>
0: we all oh, do. Okay. We have to just
1: like <laughs> sit back and go like, okay, that was stupid. And yeah, I just need to like get over it. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <You> know? Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause and I think humble about th- yourself. Yeah. Cause I think it. about my family background too and what my parents went through and I'm like, oh man, Meg, come on. You can't complain about like, you know, oh my God, my door doesn't work, <laughs> you know, or something stupid like that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. But you exactly. were saying also when you were cutting my hair that you're a workaholic, and you still are really driven because you think that does come from your family and that background.
1: That came from for sure. I not guilt that my parents put put it put on me, but I feel like it's guilt for me that they have sacrificed so much. That if I would, even a day of laying on the couch and you know, like, what are you, like in my mind, be like, "What are you doing? Like, you <laughs> could have done you could have done this and this yeah. and this," and I'm like you do need to rest your body because the last thing you want to do is burn out and then you can't do anything. And that's worse. So being able to like have a vacation, I think that's one thing that I learned from my parents or my family is that you can't keep on going, 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 going. You burn out and you will compromise your health and then you can't go. You can't keep on going. So adapting that Western culture of like,
0: a vacation,
1: yeah. you should have a vacation so you can like recharge, so you can go back at it again.
0: Well, I have noticed on your Instagram <laughs> feed that you love going out to uh, Joshua Tree. I love Joshua that's Tree. like your sanctuary, isn't it? There's something about the
1: energy of the desert, yeah, which really recharged me. And right. and, and the dryness, like I'm not a beach person. Okay. If I lay around a beach, I just might as well go to bed. Uh-huh. It just puts me to sleep. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, like, I don't know if you believe in. Chinese element or astrology.
0: Yeah. I am the a energy
1: tiger of- wood. So if I'm in water too much, wood expands. Okay. And it croats the wood or it decomposes the yeah, wood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- so being out in the beach, I can only have a little bit, then I'm done. Because I always get so antsy. Every time I go on beach vacation, yeah. I get so antsy. Okay. I'll lay out for like a day and the next day I'm like, we gotta go hiking. I right. can't lay out for like five days. So being out in the desert I thrive so much. Oh, I feel like I'm blossoming. Oh, interesting! It's very interesting. You find no, out your element. i oh, Yeah.
0: Okay, you're talking about a subject I'm very familiar with. So I am a fire horse. Uh-huh. Okay, fire horse only happens every sixty years. Oh. Okay, so back in the day, they didn't want to have babies during the year of the fire horse in Asia because they didn't want a girl fire horse. Because a girl fire horse was out of control, hard to tame, <laughs> needed to run, <laughs> run, right. And so when I was born, my grandfather was like, "Uh oh,
1: she's a wild one." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it,
0: you know, it just again, just just on fire. You're like very fiery. I don't know why. people <laughs> Think that about me? But,
1: no one makes you think that. But here's the thing
0: about the element thing too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in Korean astrology, it's similar to you know Chinese. Uh, there's five different elements and you're usually a combination yes. if you look at your charts you're a combination mm-hmm. of a couple of different elements this guy who did my chart a korean guy comes back and he's like um never really seen this before but all five of your elements all fire all five whoa yeah so he's like you desperately need water yeah yeah to t- so to calm, balance you out calm that down <laughs> yeah so for me i actually do need the water not laying on the beach oh. I actually need to like be on the water or like close to water to feel that energy. So I get that. I totally get it. And I think it's very accurate. Oh, I, I think so too. Yeah.
1: That's, Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Ooh. fire, but I'm
0: all fire. Whoa. So I'm just on fire all wow. the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I hear you about the balance though. I, and I remember reading an article. Um, I think you gave an interview about, you know, it took you a while to realize the importance of balance because you were yeah. out of balance for a long time. You were just working and just focusing on that. But you realize if I do, keep doing this, I'm going to burn out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I will to have cancer. I'll probably like right. go away. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and that doesn't do any justice for all, this, all, the, all the things I have built over the years. Right. And yeah, you got to have that balance. Yeah. And if, if anything, what COVID taught me is that, That's more prominent than ever, like balance. For sure. You get get to go, reset your mind or rest your mind. Right. Do it.
0: Well, I think COVID has uh, forced everyone to slow down, which I think we all needed. I think the world needed to slow down um, and start focusing on things that were more important rather than getting distracted by all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, And it has. I think a lot of people have taken advantage of the fact that this is a time to do self-reflection, self-assessment reprioritizing. Yeah. Um, and hopefully a lot of us will come out on the other end, maybe hopefully better. I hope better so. People. I hope yeah. so. That At I least better so. hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> better minte. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, no.
0: final question though. I know that you recently, um, were appointed as creative director for Milbon. Yes. Global creative director, which yeah, is really global. yes, I know super honor. Yes. So tell me about that role and the company because I had never heard of it to be honest before I read about it uh, related um, to you. Gosh,
1: so. I mean it's it's a big shoe to fill. Yeah. Um, before I was with L'Oreal Professional and um, I was their um, global ambassador, but this is like another step forward, meaning basically creating aesthetic imagery or direction of um, image images or hair for the company mm. globally. And wow. I produce collections for them yearly, like a spring collection and fall collection, just basically pre- predicting what looks should be in for, you know, this year or the the, the, the season. And that's really, really major. And I think, for them to trust me, a Japanese con- uh, company that's been around for 60 years, that it's very, they're very, I mean, their ingredients that they use are very amazing. Mm. Um, they don't have a big line. They're very catering to hairdressers, professional, okay. and they trust me to take a lead.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Chinese American, yeah, take the lead. I know, I know.
0: Yeah. That's 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 very open minded of them as well. But obviously, they see that you have this incredible reach, global reach. So, it kind of makes sense for them for sure.
1: And, and I think their aesthetic, uh, their aesthetic and my aesthetic um, coexist in line really well too, yeah. because they're all about healthcare and that, uh, the health of the hair. Yeah. But at the same time, they want that care. Effortless, careless, mm, easy, easygoing hair. Yeah. Okay, um, that you know, low maintenance. So it sounds like a want. good match. Yeah, it's a really good match, yeah. and they've been phenomenal. Like, I'm so happy, and 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 I okay. can't wait for two more years of it. So I'm their global creative director for wow. Three years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So well, we'll
0: watch out for that and see what where that's headed. But um, but on it was so great to meet you, and oh. I cannot believe seriously. When I got that message through Benny, my business partner at Next Shark, um, that you had contacted and said, you know, I would love to do May's hair. I seriously was like, oh, me, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I was very excited. And the fact that you were willing to come down here to do it, I just I can't thank you enough.
1: Oh, I yeah. mean, May, I, I, I appreciate what you do. And I really uh, like this is this is nothing. Oh. compared to what you do for our community so oh, I thank you for being a voice of our I, community th- it's very important
0: thank you for saying that I really appreciate it and I think it's important and that's why I do it so um and when I hear that from you know people who watch the show and listen it really you know obviously I have a purpose I feel like I have this purpose but it's uh confirmed and reaffirmed by people like you and others so I thank you Thank you. Aww. And now I have such fabulous hair. I don't know what to do anymore. I just have to, I wish it wasn't covid because I'd be like running around going to a party or something, but at least we documented it so everybody can see. But thank you so much. I'm I'm so happy to not say goodbye to cousinette. So, oh, it's yeah. my
1: pleasure, and it's so nice to meet you. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get yeah. together again. I know. Soon. I can't wait. Um,
0: and I'll I'll keep watching you on Instagram and see all your travels and all of your evolution of styles. But um, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll stay in touch for sure. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank right. you for Thanks thank you May for
1: having me on. Here.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, I have to say it's been about a month since I got my haircut by on and it's still holding up. So he's absolutely right. Uh, the way he does hair and the look that he gives you uh, really is kind of that easy, you know, low maintenance uh, hair, which I love. Right, Eggy? Aggie? Eggy's sitting right next to me right now. For those of you who are listening, <clears throat> if you hear heavy panting, that is my dog. That is not me. Uh, so listen, um, usually with my episodes if you uh, listen and um, watch on a regular basis, I normally start the top of the show with news headlines and and different um, timely issues. Well, because of the way I produce this particular show, I'm actually going to do it at the end right now. Um, And that's also because I really need to talk about some very important things that have been happening lately in our world uh, that have to be addressed. Um, One of them is the fact that just recently we passed the 200,000 death mark with COVID-19. 200,000 people have died because of COVID-19 since this all started, you know, so seven months ago in seven months. Uh, And this is a milestone that we never thought we'd reach. I don't think any of us, would have thought that 200,000 people would have really died from COVID-19 because we thought we would have it under control, that uh, it would be taken care of, that leadership would know what it was doing. Well, we obviously thought wrong, very wrong. And uh, speaking of bad leadership, Donald Trump just recently said, even in light of this milestone, he said, quote, we've done a phenomenal job containing the virus. And guess what he also added to that? He said he gives himself an A plus for his efforts. An A plus for his efforts. I don't think the 200,000 people who are now dead or their family members or loved ones would agree with that. And I don't think anyone who is reasonable and can think logically and see the reality of what's been going on, I don't think they would agree with that either. Uh, So what I noticed last night uh, when I was watching some news broadcasts, uh, people are out there protesting this because they're they're just blown away like I am. So some people put up a big sign with lights across the fence of the White House saying, Trump lied, 200,000 people died. And then other people have done the same around federal buildings and other like city buildings and, you know, public areas. Trump lied, 200,000 people died. So, you know, I I think everyone is just in disbelief, really, and have are just reaching, you know, sort of the end of their tolerance, if you haven't already. I mean, I I did a while ago, but- uh, others are are finally coming to the realization that this is not this is not a hoax, it's not a lie, it's not fake news, it's real and it's not being dealt with properly at all. <laughs> That's an understatement. Um, and then the other news that broke my heart and the hearts of a lot of people in this country and around the world, uh was the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice. When that news broke, I screamed and I started crying because it is such a tremendous loss. This is a woman who's legend. She's a legend. She is um, a warrior, a true warrior in every sense of the word. She is somebody who fought for justice, for truth, for equality, for honor, for respect, for fairness. Uh, and and really believed it and had such conviction that she dedicated her entire life to these causes uh, until her dying day. You know, she's she was 87, had fought cancer four times. She still wanted to, you know, um, work through her pain and her chemotherapy and her radiation treatments, her surgeries, broken ribs. I mean, you name it. So she was a fighter because she believed in what she was doing for this country and for the law. Um, people have been putting up lots of different posts, but one that struck me is it said, women, if you have a credit card in your own name and your own credit history, if you, if you have leased an apartment or bought property in your name, if you have consented to your own medical treatment, if you have played a sport in school, you can thank Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. Yeah. She fought for all of that as a lawyer and then a Supreme Court, as a judge and then a Supreme Court justice. So if you're female, you should thank her (laughs) and you should believe in what she fought for. Um, And if you are somebody who is a person of color or have ever been treated unequally, you should thank her. She fought for all of this. She believed in it. She believed in the law and equal rights and equal justice. But now, of course, since her passing, um, there's a huge battle going on to fill her vacant seat. And in 2016, President Barack Obama had the opportunity to fill uh, the Supreme Court justice seat that was left behind by Justice Antonin Scalia. And that was almost a year before President Obama's term was up. And yet the Republican senators, including Lindsey Graham, had said, no, we should wait until the new president is elected because there isn't enough time. And he had said, quote, I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year, of the first term, you can say Lindsey Graham said, let's... Let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And then he said, and you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. Then in 2018, he repeated the same sentiment saying, if an opening comes up in the last year of President Trump's term and the primary process has started, we'll wait till the next election. Well, guess what Lindsey Graham said just recently after RBG passed away? He has reversed his position, saying, It's different this time. It's different this time. Oh, with what, less than 45 days to go till the election? It's different this time? So he did a 180. Complete hypocrite. Like, y- you can't get more hypocritical than that. Of course, Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. He already showed his true colors. I mean, the guy is disgusting. Uh, he said on Friday, just hours after RBG passed, he didn't even show any respect. He immediately said in public that we are going to uh, get an appointment on the, uh, for the Supreme Court seat and we will make that happen uh, before the election. So he had such little respect that he just said that publicly. Um, And other senators, Republican senators, have said the same thing. Only two Republican senators have said we should wait until after the election. Susan Collins of Maine and um, Senator Murkowski of Alaska. Uh, So what's the common denominator here? Uh, It's all white, old white men. Let that sink in for a second. Old white men making these decisions about our country, about women, about minorities, let that sink in for a second. Okay. I just want you to think about that for a second while I continue. Uh, so RBG's last wish, according to her granddaughter who had spoken to her and actually written this down in her computer recently came out and said, in the final days of her life, I asked my grandmother if there was anything she wanted to say to the public, to anyone that wasn't already out there. I pulled out my computer and she dictated the following sentence to me. She said, my most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. I read it back and she was very happy with it. When I asked, is that it? Is there anything else you'd like to say? She said, the rest of my work is a matter of public record. So that's all she wanted to add. So that was her last wish. RBG wanted us to wait. She wanted Congress to wait. She wanted the president to wait until a new president was elected, until the election had happened, so that the voice of the people could be heard. But obviously, the Republicans are not respecting that. And Donald Trump certainly isn't respecting it because they want to stack the court with conservative justices, which will affect our country for decades to come because Supreme Court justices, it's a lifetime appointment. Uh, and this was the most appalling, appalling thing that came out recently um, from Donald Trump, of course, because it's appalling. He apparently had questioned even the validity of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said to her granddaughter on Fox and Friends, his favorite show. He had said he accused his political foes, Senator Demo- uh, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer and Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff of being behind Ginsburg's last request. He said, I don't know that she said that, or was that written out by Adam Schiff, Schumer, and Pelosi? So he was suggesting that this was made up by his political foes. (laughs) I mean, that is lower than I actually would have thought he could possibly go. I mean, that's 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 really low. Uh, so that's how soulless, how disrespectful, how uncivilized this man is, that he would even suggest that this was made up by his political foes rather than just leaving it um, as something that RBG had said as her last dying wish. her granddaughter. So, you know, the reason why that uh, Trump wants to push for this nomination and this appointment on the Supreme Court is because obviously this is going to uh, make his base very happy because they're anti-abortion, they're anti-gay marriage and they're, you know, (laughs) there's there are lots of antis uh, on that list. But it's also could work in his favor if this election this presidential election is questioned or if there's anything that is hanging in terms of a final outcome. And as we know, back during the George W. Bush and Al Gore election, it, you know, the the election was finally decided by the Supreme Court. It had to go all the way up to the Supreme Court for it to decide who the winner was. And so this is the hope that if it came to that, if the Supreme Court is stacked in a conservative way that would weigh in the favor of Donald Trump, then that would help him if there was an undecided election. And that could very well happen given what's going on with this election already, the question of ballots and mail-in ballots, and it's going to be rigged and all of this. So this all falls into play. Now, the reason I'm explaining all of this to you, and I'm sure a lot of you already know this, but I'm just trying to reiterate, iterate the importance of this. I have had it. I've had it with this bullshit. I've had it with the lies. I've had it with the manipulation. I've had it with going against the rule of law. I've had it with the mistreatment of immigrants and minorities and women. I've had it with the racists. I've had it with all of it. And Donald Trump has fueled it and he continues to fuel it. And the Republicans- including Senator Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and all these old white guys are hanging on to control, hanging on for dear life because they are fearful of what's going to happen in this country, which is progress. We want to move forward. We want to move forward uh, together, unified. But they're creating these divisions because they're hanging on to the old guard. They're hanging on to... The, you know, the ways of, 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 of days gone by and they're scared of losing power and they will hang on for dear life no matter what it takes, even if it means selling their soul to the devil, which they have. So I've had it, but I'm not going to sit back and just be depressed and say, oh my God, and throw my hands up. Believe me, there are moments when I want to, but then I say, no, we got to fight like hell. We got to fight like hell. Do it for RBG. But you know what? Do it for yourselves. If you're a person of color, if you're a woman, if you have a daughter, if you have ever been treated as the other or an outsider, or if you ever have been treated unfairly in your job, whatever. We want to move forward as a country. We don't want to move backwards. We don't want these people who think they're still clinging on to power because they're white and old and traditional and conservative. That's not advancement. It's going backwards. So, fight. I'm asking you to fight like warriors because we need to. We need to fight for this country. We need to fight for democracy, true democracy. We need to fight for humanity, compassion, empathy. We need to fight for respect. We need to fight for the rule of law. So, We need to vote. It's coming up, guys. Please get out and vote and inspire others to vote. Today is actually uh, official voter registration day, something like that. I think I read that this morning. So all the more reason to get up, get registered if you haven't already, get your ballots out early if you can, inspire others, motivate others. Uh, This is a call to action okay this is a call to action for humanity for decency so this is we are at a crucial moment in our history right now it's crucial um things could change for a very long time and not for the better if we don't take action so i'm begging you and i'm begging you um as warriors find that warrior spirit and fight Fight the good fight. We have to. We have to try and fight the good fight. We have to win. Okay? All right. So, thank you for listening and watching as always, everyone. I, I, I believe very, very strongly in the power of goodness and truth and justice. Let us be inspired by the life of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but let us also be inspired by each other and what we believe in and the goodness of, of humanity. It's still there. (laughs) I know sometimes it seems like it's, we've gotten lost, but it's still there. So we have to find it. We have to revive it, resuscitate it, and we have to move forward. Okay. All right. Listen, thank you for your support. Uh, keep listening, keep watching, uh, stay safe everyone until next time.